This feels so, so good. Welcome to From the Bronx with Love, a podcast where we explore pop culture, food, music, and as a bonus, random rants all done with a multicultural lens. We're your hosts, Karen and Dom. Welcome back, everyone, to From the Bronx with Love. Dom, how are you? Hi, hi, everyone. How how are you? Well, I mean, I'm doing better than expected. Um, I feel like every time I, like give an update and like I'm so tired and we're trying a new vitamin supplement um (laughs) yeah no I've just actually been taking some time for myself and kind of rebooting and um doing a lot of behind the scenes work for the film so that's how I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) nice I know it's been a long time since we recorded Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I think both of us have just been busy with work. And so it's kind of difficult to find times that work for both of us because whenever we do have free time, we just want to relax and unwind after a long day. Mm -hmm. But here we are recording because besides doing work and getting lots of sleep, and our vitamins. We've also been binge watching TV. Dom, have you been doing a lot of that or like just here and there? Binge watching TV? Yes. Oh, this is so embarrassing. I, so I want to say, I'm going to start off by saying I'm very, very grateful that the like the clock is going to spring forward this Saturday. Mm-hmm. So like we'll have more sun. Um, and this is coming from someone who, hates well I hate the heat I don't hate the sun right I hate like being hot but still um I'm very happy about that because seasonal affective disorder was kicking my butt um so in order for me to remedy this I as everyone knows I love the office and the office is like the best antidepressant for me um, I've been swapping out The Office with another binge watch, which is really embarrassing. Um, not the fact that I binge watched this. It's how quickly after I binge watched it, I binge watched it again. Oh. Um, yeah. So I watched Ships Creek again, <laughs> which I, lo- oh. I just like, love that show so much. And I think I watched it in one weekend. And it was during the week where it was super rainy. It was like three days of rain. And I was also menstruating. So it was hormonal, seasonal depression. Well, yeah, I guess seasonal depression. But all of that was happening. So after I had finished watching Schitt's Creek the weekend prior, guess who watched it again (laughs) during that week? So I have been binge-watching the same thing. (laughs) Obviously, I have Schitt's Creek on a loop. (laughs) <laughs> well it is funny so oh it is like it's so wholesome yeah i my favorite character is the dad though for some reason i don't know oh you love the dads don't you <laughs> i love the dads. that's gonna we're gonna talk about who your favorite is in this next show that you're gonna interview oh okay i see why you're saying that mm-hmm. yes but for, for Shit Creek, I don't know. I think, like, the dad is just very funny in his, his reaction to things. And my favorite episode is the Christmas one. 
remember that he tries to like get everyone's Christmas spirit up. Yeah, wants to plan a party. Oh, such a lovely episode. <laughs> I just think it's so cute how everything turns out. They have like their usual drama, but at the end, you know, his family is there for him. Have you seen the baseball episode? The baseball episode? Huh. Can you remind me of that one? It's when um, Patrick needed another player for the softball team, so that he recruited oh. David. Yes, I remember that one. I just like there's like, <laughs> one scene that's so funny to me because it's so me. Um, but it's basically when Patrick was like, I need you, David, to like help me. And then David was like, ew. Like how he always does him and Alexis. <laughs> And I'm like, that precisely would be my response if you asked me to help you with sports. Um, and then Patrick was like, okay, well, there's going to be a barbecue after. <laughs> and then David was like, yep. okay, well, I have a couple questions. And Patrick was like, are they barbecue related? And David was like, most of them. <laughs> yep. And I was like, so, wow, this was written by me and for me. That's the only way to get you to do a sport then. Yes. Had to be a barbecue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of food, I think that is a great segue into the main topic of this episode, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Because that whatever what what you're going to mention made me so hungry <laughs> every time I watched an episode. But continue. <laughs> so, as everyone is aware, because this was a constant topic on Twitter and Instagram. There is a new show produced by Netflix, which is called Hentified. And if for some reason you have not heard of it, you live under a rock or whatever, the uh, first season came out on February 21st. And so this is a show about a three Mexican-American cousins chase the American dream while that dream threatens the things they hold most dear, including their neighborhood, their immigrant grandfather, and the family-owned taco shop. That is the recap according to um, IMBD. So, Dom, how long did it take you to finish the whole thing? A day and a half. Did you hear that? Yes. <laughs> I'm being arrested for like not having a life. <laughs> Watching a series in a day and a half. Okay. Well, that was fast though, because it took me, let's see, I started on Friday night. I think I finished it like Sunday in the afternoon. So it did take me a little while um, to mm-hmm. finish it. But overall, what are your thoughts about the show? I loved it. It's so precious. It is the right amount of pick-me-up. Towards the middle and the end, the conflict got so much more solidified. And, like, it's very endearing. But also, like, there's some, like, there's some grit in it, which I really appreciated. It, it, It wasn't, like, campy or overly sappy I really I loved it I thought it was such a cute show I love it yeah I I I think it's also a great show and I think we were texting about this as well that the 
the switch between English and Spanish is not mm -hmm. forced, like in other shows. Yes. Oh, my goodness. When they started speaking Spanish, and I was like, and I say this as someone who, like, cannot speak conversational Spanish, but I can kind of understand it. Um, but I still need to read the subtitles. <laughs> I say this as a person who needs to read the subtitles. It was so fluid. I like it. It just was, like, in and out. It weaved well. Yes. I think they did a great job in that. It wasn't just like, oh, let's just throw this random word in there. No. I know that you mentioned that my favorite characters are always the dads. Mm -hmm. So, yes, in this particular show, the grandpa is my favorite. And I also mm -hmm. did a BuzzFeed quiz and I got him. Like, he's my character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... I remember that he was also in the series from Narcos. Do you, oh. oh, wait. Did you watch Narcos? The um, Colombian one or the Mexican one? The Mexican one. Okay, I did. I didn't watch it all the way through, so maybe oh. I did miss him. Okay, so the, the actor's name is Joaquin Cosio. Uh -huh. And in Narcos, his character name is Don Neto. Okay. Yeah. So in this series, obviously, he plays the loving grandfather who loves to cook, mm -hmm. who misses the love of his life, mm -hmm. and who just wants to do, like, provide better opportunities for, for his grandchildren and his kids. So I don't know. For some reason, he's just, like, so heartwarming and sweet. He and is the most well-rounded character in yeah. that series, you can tell that they, like, workshopped Pop for, like, probably 15 years. Probably <laughs> not. But, like, it, he, he's just so well-rounded. He know, is. Like, there's, like, nothing wrong with Pop. <laughs> no, there isn't. But you know what? The thing is that there, there are a few characters that in this specific series that I feel are, are like, like Pop. So I don't know if, like, do you remember the mariachi? Mm-hmm. Javier? Yes. Okay. I think that he is also a character like that, but we saw so little of him I in know, the first I, few episodes. Yeah, I was craving, like, I thought it was, so. I thought his episode was very good. That's why I was saying, like, you know, when it, when there was, like, the, the conflict and, like, the really down-to-earth, like, things about people. Um, they did a really good job, and his his episode was very good. It, I just wish he had a longer arc because yes. we saw everything in one episode. Yeah. I, I do hope that they bring him back on the second season because this reminds me of something that Latinos Who Lunch said in one of their episodes when they were discussing Vida. So what they said is that most of the browner characters or the ones that are older and shows like these, they mostly are just in the background. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, they're part of the show, but they're just there. Mm -hmm. and, and, they, and, and then the main highlight is on the, I guess, like whiter Mexicans or whiter Latinos. Because mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed that they did that for... Uh, for Vida. 
where um, like all the older ladies that usually hang out at the bar, all of them, they're just there. We don't know much about them. Mm-hmm. So I think when, when shows like Hentified or Vida and any other show, when it's focusing on the community, I understand that we have not seen ourselves in a lot of shows, right? But I yeah. think it's also proper to focus on the past generations, like the grandmas, the grandpas, our parents, because thanks to them, we are here. Yeah. And yes, it's good to see a show where we see ourselves reflected, but then also like honoring our ancestors. Yeah. And I think that's, this show does a good job with tops, but I think it can focus more on, for example, Javier the Mariachi or um, the other older gentleman, the one that's the bar owner. Uh, you remember him? Lydia's, mm-hmm. Lydia's dad. Yeah, Lydia's dad. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, I forgot. Like, I thought, I thought Lydia owned it. That's why I was like, what are you talking about, the bar no. owner? Okay, so the bar owner's name she, is Pancho. Man- yeah, I think she's like a manager, though. Yes, she's a manager, yeah. but, you know, basically, like, her dad is, like, the head right. of the, yeah. the bar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think it's also good to focus on those characters because we also want to know, like, you know, what were their struggles in order to, like, own that bar, own that taco shop? Or, for example, the older lady that o- that owned that deli. Um, so I think... Ophelia? Yes, yes. Her. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see more of those characters, not just being, like, you know, extras or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I really, I think that's yeah. Their their characters are really great, and the two people who or three people actually, yeah. I feel like they. I hope that in the second season they they also get like more of an arc, um, instead of being like more secondary characters. Yeah, and also, <laughs> I don't know if you got this vibe or not. Mm-hmm. But I feel like uh, Jessica and mm-hmm. and Anna, for some reason, they remind me of Joanna from the Unapologetically Brown series and oh her girlfriend. Yes. Don't um, they? But I... Uh, I... So, I remember having this critique with um, Mari. Um, oh, Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is such a trope. It's such a trope to have like the super woke, I'm using pop academia um, language, you know, to describe like toxic masculinity, but like, like all this like sociological terms that have been, you know, recuperated and um, entered the mainstream. Um, and they have like an activist leaning. I feel like that's kind of a character now and almost all shows because like showrunners like to pull from Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I do think Jessica is better than Mari, to be honest, because I just like had such issues with Mari. Like I like Mari. I like the actress Mari a lot. I think she's super cute. Um, But like, just like the characters sometimes, it just like could not click with me. 
And I feel like they did this, like they followed that formula with Jessica. Um, although like she is more in like the nonprofit sector. So she is working like a office job and like that's how right. she's channeling her activism. But I still felt like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I know. And I, I do remember that critique that you gave for Vida. And I also noticed it. I was like, okay, this this just feels like everything with her is just a conflict. About, yeah, a conflict, yes. So, I, I, yeah. Yeah, and this is coming from me, if any of you follow my <laughs> Twitter timeline. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I am that person, um, and right. I think that's why I don't like that, seeing that on television or, like, seeing it, because I'm like, this is a caricature of, like, people who are doing the work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. obviously there are going to be people like that who are going to be the loudest in the room. Um, one, because it is activism and you have to have your voices heard. You want to be able to uplift, like, people who have been pushed in the margins. And, you know, they, they, it's not that they don't have a voice. It's that their, voice are being, their voices are being silenced. So if you have an mm-hmm. activist platform... Of course, you're going to be loud and you're right. going to do what it takes to, you know, get that attention um, for the cause. It was just like, it was just so surface level with Jessica because like everything was a little bit on the moralizing side, not taking into account that like there's a lot of problems with having nonprofits and NGOs in the first mm-hmm. place and like the fact that we live in a society that necessitates that instead of like just having universal programs, like you need right. to reconcile that. Like it's not per- just because you work in a sector that's like maybe not for profit and like has a bottom line um, and incentivizes like, you know, kicking people out because they can't, you know, pay rent. Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, that is a big moral quandary instead of like working for a nonprofit that's set out to help people. Nonprofits are not all, also all great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's yep. the part of this. Like, can there be a little bit more of a, like a discussion about this? And like, no one called her out on this. Like she just got to like yell at everyone. Um, I do appreciate though, when she like, brought up the whole angry black girl because I feel like that's not talked about a lot is that like when there's a lot of passion there's only a type of person who's able to to express that passion and if you do express that passion being the wrong type of person you already have that stereotype and I do like that she's a Dominican from New York City yes I love that I love that New York City made it on the show (laughs) Mm -hmm. but still they, um, her, Anna's mother called her, um, called her little black girlfriend. I'm like, okay, oh. I mm-hmm. know that she is probably, like, she is probably Afro-Latina, but, like, she is the darkest person on that show. And yeah. <laughs> that's not, like, we come in various shades much darker than her. And I was like, still, again, just like Vita, are is there, like, no black people in Boyle Heights? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I'm I'm always um curious as to like why they just decide to put like 
that one family, you know? It's always mm -hmm. just like that one individual. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's something to work on. Yeah, I'm like genuinely curious because I know like New York City, um, particularly within like with schools, it is actually highly segregated despite it being a city and like deeply diverse. Schools are pretty segregated because schools de like schools are determined by where you live and right, you know, you know, we all know. I'm not gonna go we into know. this history. <laughs> we all know. So by de facto, it becomes just like it becomes like a segregated place so I'm wondering if like is that what happened in LA like just like there's just like these specific um these specific neighborhoods that like li like you really if they're pretty enclosed like even though it is in Los Angeles where there is is a lot of diversity yeah. there's still like groups of um neighborhoods or clusters of neighborhoods where it's just one demographic so I'm actually really curious about that maybe they are being authentic and I'm just like I want representation um or it could be a yeah, little bit of both. it'd be something to look into yeah I don't know for some reason I don't think that it was just like Boyle Heights it's just like all Mexicans or you know like Central mm -hmm. Americans I just mm -hmm. I don't know for some reason it's hard to believe yeah <laughs> uh-huh oh yeah this feels so so good we them guys, let me bring you on the block This the movie, Redbox, we don't like the Red Sox Fire hydrants on blast when the town get hot Drink tequila by the ounce at the hookah spot If you ain't from here, you cannot survive here But you with the Well, we can talk about, like, Chris being a coconut And, like, I actually thought starting off the show I thought the show was going to be more about Chris And it was a lovely surprise that it like expanded to be much more than him, right? About much more than him, um, but yeah, I think Chris is an intriguing <laughs> character. I think yeah, uh, and throughout the the show, we can just see him how he's conflicted. You know, like mm -hmm. whether he goes and follows his dream, or he stays and helps out his grandfather. Um, I. I don't think that he is like a bad intentioned person. Yeah, me neither. But it's just that everyone else does not get how he wants to do things, I guess. You know? Mm -hmm. How he proposes different ideas and then people are so quickly to, to just cancel them and they don't really want to pay attention to him, especially when it comes to the restaurant aspect. They just mm -hmm. don't want to listen to him. And they think that he wants to just turn everything white, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, I mean, it, he, he does work in, like, the restaurant industry. So if anyone else is, like, right to work with Pops, it's him. Right, yeah. I think um, people are aware that Chris's lens is very Americanized and by default, like, white. Right. But then, kind of like how you said, like, they didn't really give him, like, the chance or the benefit of the doubt to, like, even have himself question his own lens, which he ends up doing. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, he's not perfect, but he ends up, like, seeing himself in his community, not, like, seeing, like, not outside looking in, kind yes. of. Yes. 
Um, and I, yeah, like people did give him that chance. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think he, he's a, he's a good uh, character in there. Cause, I think he's a good character know? too. Yeah. He's he chasing actually has, his like, dreams. Yeah. He's chasing his dreams, but I feel like he has like the least going on out of everyone. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone but, has like major life things going on. Well, he does have that conflict with his dad, which we don't know why it started. I, I think, like, at the end of season one, we might see more of it. Because, like, his dad offers a tremendous help. And then he's mm-hmm. stuck between, like, the decisions that he has to make. So I think, like, maybe in season two, we'll see more of, like, why they haven't really been talking to each other. But overall, compared to... The other people's drama, yes, he has, like, the least going on, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about Anna's whole arc and, like, her struggles with um, basically getting paid? Oh, <laughs> and oh I was so, authentic. so conflicted with that. Mm-hmm. Because I, I understand that she wants to make a living out of her art, Mm-hmm. But then at one point, it's like, how is this art affecting the community that you defend so much? And she, she has a mom to care for as well, who is working under terrible conditions. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I really sympathize with her. <laughs> Just because, like, I wouldn't want to be in that in that situation. Uh, so, I, I think that the, the the actress that did this role did a, such a good job portraying like how she's in this conflict. Like, she wants to do her art and she wants to get paid. But she also doesn't want to like give up her her community, you know, or betray mm-hmm. them. Yeah. What are your thoughts on her? I think. Not to, like, abstract her too much, but her struggle, her struggle, her mom's struggle, and Jessica's struggle all speak to, like, the struggle of, like, living under capitalism. And, like, all art is able to be recuperated. So despite its radical origins, it's, like, able to be taken up again and be whitewashed mm-hmm. for mass market. That's how it is. That's like how that's how it is. Like to make things more marketable, you have to de- like um, defang the radicalism. And like uh-huh. she is doing that, but in real time, they're like removing all of that and keeping all like the good parts because like. Mm-hmm. Tim keeps reciting her resume and like all the like good like immigrant things about yeah. her and like this is what is acceptable and what's going to get it sold like she can't have like all this like complexity and um uh you know statement around her art it needs to be molded in a way so that she can make money and like to survive she needs that money so that's a pitfall of society. And then also her mom had like being hyper exploited 
is also a pitfall of society. And then Jessica working at a nonprofit where like they've made the, those right. digs about like, you know, what are we going to do? Wait six months for a grant to come through. Like that's also not a perfect system, you know? Um, yeah. I think like that for me was what I took from the, all three of them, but definitely Anna's was Anna's and Anna's mom was the most like concrete, examples of like basically it's you know you have to compromise at some point is whether like where your line is with regards to compromising is yeah and that was sad for me I know and the mom especially yeah I like like a thing what is it called um like a little little ball in my throat like formed when that mm-hmm. woman was talking about you know I bought this little place and I was like oh please 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 <laughs> don't say what I think yeah. you to say. yep that is tough yeah. what is your who is your favorite character um I would say pops too I really love pops yeah. I love Pops the moment when he was just like, Ophelia, I didn't think you would be such a progressive woman about the <laughs> about the luchadores making out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's old. <laughs> and I like how he... So and goofy. And he, he goes on his date. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it breaks my heart. I don't know if we want to really spoil the end. <gasps> the ending. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Oof. I cried at the end. But, no, I think, like, for anyone that has not watched it, we, we gave, like, you know, a few spoilers, I think, but not mm-hmm. as much. I think you should really go watch Hemptified after listening to this episode. Because it is worth watching. You have funny moments. You have, you know, sad moments. And I don't know. It just, it's a well-rounded show, I think. Yeah, I think so, Are there so room too. for improvements? Yes, I think Always. So. Yeah. Um, I do want to, like, give a little bit of a shout-out to Eric and Lydia, is her name? Ah, uh, yes. I think they're cute. I don't have, like, I don't have much to say. I think Eric is, I think he's doing a really good job with, like, the tacos and books. I think that's really oh. cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is something I would really take advantage of. I'd be a genius if that was something. <laughs> I don't you like what I like to read anyways because we used to get free pizzas. Oh, Wow. Mm-hmm. That, that that program he mentioned in the show, that was a real thing in my school with Pizza Hut. We get a free oh. pizza every, like, last Friday of the month if we read, it like, four books. Are you kidding me? I would have read so much. We never mm-hmm. had something like that. I'm pretty sure. Like, you, like I said, it's coming full circle. Get me to, to get me to do anything, have food. <laughs> yes. I'll read books for tacos, and I will play... Um, I guess baseball or soccer for carne asada. <laughs> I'll play soccer because I am terrible at baseball. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. I can't play it. Nothing. 
So, yes, I think we can wrap it up. Or you have anything else to add, Dom? I just want to keep nope. it under eight, you know, not go mm-hmm. over eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we are wrapping up our, I guess, recap and thoughts about the show. If you haven't watched it, go ahead and do so. Oh, and I want to mention that the other day I checked Netflix and it's Hentified is on the top 10 shows. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well deserved. Yes, indeed. So yeah, go ahead, give it more views. Cause if I'm not mistaken, I think like what really counts is the amount of views that it gets mm-hmm. when the show is recently out. So yeah, time yeah. to binge watch it again. Yeah, and I remember seeing a thread about this on Twitter about like how a lot of their shows, especially when it shows of color and Latino, I've noticed. Like, don't get the ad buys like their other shows do. And I noticed that with Hente, like, once I saw Hente Five, like, they posted it on Twitter. I was like, this is so cute, Karen. We're watching it. That was it. That's all I yeah. saw. That's true. I think that's where I heard from it. And also, oh, because Stephanie from a Spoilers podcast, I think she's the one that's uh, handling social media for the show. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And that's also how I heard about it. Because she was talking about it on her show, Spoilers. Yeah, so that's how it, it, it was first on my radar. And then I saw it on Twitter because I follow Stephanie. So, yeah. But it, I didn't see ads anywhere or anything. So, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, go watch. It's a very, very cute um, show. Um, definitely get your binge in before it yes. gets really nice out. I anticipate spring to be really nice. Um, thank you, climate change. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and if you're anything like Karen, the moment it hits 70 degrees, you're not going to be at home. So mm. get your yep. binge watching now. <laughs> yes. And since we haven't recorded so often, we will do our best to release an episode at least every month. Dom, you think that's good? That is so feasible. Yeah, I think with you our new schedule, yeah, once a month, it makes more sense than once a week because that was mm-hmm. just not doable. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening to this show. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And also make sure you watch Huntified. Have a good night. Bye. This podcast was executive produced by Karen Almonte. You can follow us on social media to keep up with your favorite Bronx ladies. From the Bronx with Love is part of Anthology House Media. We them guys, let me bring you on the block. This the movie, Red Box. We don't like the Red Sox. Fire hydrants on blast when the town get hot. Drink tequila by the ounce at the hookah spot. If you ain't from here, you cannot survive here. But you with the crew, so you can come disguise here. Step up in our shoes, let us give you the news. And tell you all the things that others too scared to. My city worldwide, so how can I fear you? We wasn't raised on the sick code, I'ma spare you. This is not a scene that you could compare to. You might as well soak it all in while you here, dude. Cause this is the birthplace of rap, R.I.P. the pun. Couple more seconds and the show's begun. I said birthplace of rap, R.I.P. the pun. Couple more seconds and the show's begun. And that's from the Bronx with love, from the Bronx with A. Bronx with love, from the Bronx with A.
Bronx for love.